Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Full Service Radio. Hello, everybody. Hello. We are back. Class is in session. I hope you have your notebooks today because we're using pen and paper. So vintage. You are listening to the Beauty Archeo. I am your host, Professor Noir, and we are broadcasting live on full service radio from the Line Hotel here in Washington, D.C., I am being joined by my very special guest. And you guys know, I, ha- I always love to bring my friends, and I have this lovely, big, giant family of creative, fun people. And this is one of my fabulous family members and cult members. <laughs> I mean, we are part of a drag cult. We don't say a house. Um, Jack Snife, please introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. How are you? <laughs> yes, it is just that simple to join a cult. Just use the hashtag, hashtag drag cult, and you're in. And you're in, and you're in. Um, Jack Snipe, so we know each other because we grew up in the club scene in D.C. together. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Um, and what was I going to say? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that party last night. Ooh, talking about the club scene. Girl. I know, but we grew up in the club scene together. I mean, what has it been, like seven years? Eight seven, years? eight Almost a decade, almost a decade. Plus. Almost a decade, not quite a woman. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and we're still alive. Yeah. We're still alive. We're working a lot. Yes, we are. We are employed. You have a quarter of your eyebrows left. Yeah. I'm just noticing that yeah. right now. Just like little little Got pin little, marks little, of where uh, eyebrows used asterisks. to be. Little asterisks of, of, of eyebrow yeah. right here. Yeah. Like an exclamation point of an eyebrow. Yeah, it makes getting a drag like 75 percent easier oh easily yeah because you could just start where the eyebrow that start you where have the eyebrow is and go and then just go so Flick what do you out. what exactly do you do tell the people tell the children oh well um i uh am what you would call a door queen a door queen uh-huh. mm. yes i work for a very uh prestigious bar here in the nation's capital literally actually literally the number two gay bar thanks to uh logo and out and some other well thanks to the patrons yeah, but well, logo patrons, and out yeah, put it out there that, but thanks uh, to the patrons in dc and abroad that come to trade and hear about it and yes the, ma'am and the queens yes the queens the queens that work the uh the door at trade that was the probably <laughs> the smartest decision that bar ever did was to put the drag queens as the security because yeah everybody's oh, yeah. scared of us all, all, all scared terrified the, the only the brave can come into the bar oh yes <laughs> so you are do you consider yourself a bear or um, a cub I or get, yeah i fit the bear aesthetic you're like a young you're a cub yeah, i'm a cub you're a cub uh, you're young you're like five years old but i also enjoy <laughs> pushing like the femme agenda yeah i also oh, yeah. don't agree with uh gender stereotypes i'm very gender fluid exactly. they them pronouns i love them or rice uh, or rice or rice cakes you don't yeah rice cakes those. no i do not do rice cakes That's why weird. would you want a snack that is just that light and airy <laughs> you gotta have some hefty weight to it girl and you are a queen that has some weight on her i do i'm a thick girl that's thick with two c's which is one of my favorite things about you as a performer because you like you want to like people always talk about body positivity Mm -hmm. my favorite is when really thoughty people on instagram who like just came fresh out the gym oh yeah took a thousand photos with the beauty ring just to get that one photo and talk Uh about body positivity but you actually are body positivity in its full embodiment in my opinion well thank you i appreciate that i really really do uh strive for that in this city because there's not a lot of it it's not a lot you celebrate your body you reveal your body constantly yes yes you 
move and contort your body in so many ways because you are a dancer. That's number one. Yes, seven uh, seven years of teaching. I taught for seven years, but from third grade all the way until high school, I was a professional dancer. Trained exactly. everything. Exactly. So, like, you, yeah, you're a dancer and you... I'm like the most agile person on the stage. Yeah, like, thank you. This queen over here, people, like will stay on her hands, flip up onto a bench, then drop down into a split, yes, and then ma'am. like jump into some kind of levitation moment. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like you've levitated. Yeah, light I, as a feather, stiff as a mic. Well, you know. <laughs> stiff as a dick. Yep. Um, <laughs> light as a feather, stiff as a dick. Um, so... This is a time when mm-hmm. I open up the class to just talk about our feelings because I want us to clear our heads yes. because of all the information we're going to like receive. Mm-hmm. And I call this a closet clean because as you... Have you been to my house before? I have been to your house before. And you know that my closet, there are actual walls and doors for a closet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an outline for a closet, but my clothes remain on the floor. That is true. Yeah. Um, the last time I believe <coughs> I was at your humble abode. Um, <laughs> and by the way, people, I am not... I always talk about this. I am not a dirty person. No, she's not. I'm a, just a messy person. I have a lot of clothing. It is uh, just... Uh, it's like a couture shop exploded into my room. It's almost as if you're trying to make a carpet out of couture. <laughs> it is. All of the gowns so and many the blouses. Gowns. So many gowns. Skirts, beautiful gowns. Beautiful gowns. So many gowns. So many gowns. <laughs> I will tell you the most gagged I've ever been in a gown looking at you. You came backstage talking about Club Kids uh, <laughs> when we uh, were hosting WTF at Town Dance Boutique. God uh, rest her soul, wherever she is. I know. Well, she's uh, turning she's into a cut, She's a whole girl right yeah, she's now. she's a whole right now oh she's always been a hole though uh anyway i'm getting off topic uh pussy noir walked backstage and graced us in a presence of a floor length uh full-on turtleneck sweater <laughs> long sleeve gown and i have never been and it was i want to say it was at least april into may so it had already started getting very humid here in dc uh, i was cold it was so nighttime I, you are a very thin 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 woman and i, I just am. understand that you might need some extra layers of protection, but I have never seen a floor-length knit <laughs> gown. I absolutely was flabbergasted. I it still was amazing. Wear, no, that's I my know. house dress. It's and it should be. It's my house. So that's the funny thing is like my last guest I had on my show last week, Anna Latour, obviously as you know now is my roommate and like dear friend and sister. Bless, bless her, bless her. And she said the same thing. She was just like, wait. She was just like, pussy just wears gowns around yes. the house. Yes. Like, she came out of her room in the morning, and she was just wearing this, like, sweater gown. And I was like, yeah, that's my house caftan. Woke up in the morning, needed a La Croix. <laughs> well, I don't drink La Croix. I'm not basic. Oh, well. I right. just drink, like, a good old tonic water. Ooh, a tonic. <laughs> you know that has sugar in the it. The tonic and lime. I don't care. I know you don't. I know you don't. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this is the Middle Ages, okay? This isn't the 17 fucking 80s, which we will talk about very soon in an episode and how those fuckers used to eat, because oh, yeah. Jesus Christ, be happy we're alive, yep. all right? Just be happy we're alive. Um, so in the closet clean, after we just talked about that entire diatribe of why I call yes, it ma'am. that. couture closet, couture carpet, everything. <laughs> <laughs> there have been some deaths. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Got really serious. It did. There, okay, like, we always talk about, like, there's, like, the celebrity death that prompts the next two. You know, it, it oh, always, yeah, comes, they in always come in threes. Jesus Christ. They were just dropping off like flies this week. Yeah. Like, yes, they were. Um, some noted deaths that I would like to just, like, tip my hat off to these people because they actually, like, I'm not even saying, like, oh, these people died and, like, it's really funny. It's like, no, like, 
these are some really great artists that one have like lived a very long life. A lot of them, they yeah. really, really did. And one did not fully live his life to its full extent. And I'm pretty sure had many projects still in the works. John Singleton, yes, um, but Peter Mayhew, who was the original Chewbacca mm-hmm. died at 74. Um, there is also, hold on. I have like this long list. This very long... Oh, that's a very old man right there. Yeah, she was in a death pool, y'all. She didn't win, though. She didn't win. She didn't claim Chewbacca. She, she didn't claim Chewbacca. She didn't claim Chewbacca. Um, there's also um, Georgia Engel, who played the Charmingly Innocent and small voice Georgette on the Mary Tyler Moore show. Ooh. I mean, girl. Like, An so icon, many. An icon, to be honest. An icon. To anybody to be on, a Mary, on the Mary Tyler Moore show. Mary Tyler Moore, Dick Van Dyke, legends. And then, of course... Um, I, there's so many more to mention. I have like this very. I found this list. I might even post it on the Facebook page for Beauty Honestly, RPO. You should. It's so long. Um, Nipsey Hustle. What we didn't lose him this week, but you know, nonetheless, yep. Nipsey Hustle. Like, I mean, like young voice. Not even. A, I would say, yeah, young voice. Well, pioneer, pioneer especially in the city for this go the go go scene. Here. Yeah, and in the rap game. Yeah. and you know, there were there was talk about like the homophobia that came out of like some of his work in the earlier period, and like. You know, like one can never overlook a whole person's body of work, but I would say never discredit the rest of it because of one thing. Yes, you because know, of one, one bad session. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, of course, um, John Singleton, you know, very famous black director, the director and creator of Boys in the Hood and so many other amazing movies, um, died at the age of 50, 51. Um, First went to a stroke, and the day he went to a stroke, I saw that pop up on my screen while I was watching reruns of The Practice on uh, Amazon Prime because I'm love that the lame. Practice. I do. I'm that lame. We do love The Practice, um, but I just love Dylan McDermott's hair and his lips. Oh, those lips! Um, and as soon as he went to that, I saw that he went into that stroke. I was just like, he's not going to survive. Yeah, it was so sad. It was upsetting. It was upsetting. There's also this like moment too of something really happening in the fashion world that was really crazy. Um, about another death. And Did like, they bring back florals? They, it, no, actually, they didn't bring back florals, actually. Florals were not back, because okay, it's, it's, uh, it's resort collections right now. Ooh. So the resort collections are out. Um, Valentino had a really beautiful show. It was very similar to the Gucci show, which I was like, mm. Mm. a lot of fire, a lot of Roman ruins. A little similarities. little similarities. Mm-hmm. But the clothes were gorge. The yeah. clothes were gorge. Always are. Um, but I don't know if you heard about this, but this crazy thing happened during Brazilian Fashion Week where Brazilian model Talis Suarez, um, I hope I'm saying his name correctly, dies literally on the, the runway. runway. Yes. Just drop fucking dead on the runway. What? Um, all right. Yeah. So fashion I, kills. I, girl, like. All right, everybody, stop wearing clothes. Take them off now. They're <laughs> killing you. They're killing you all. Like, that is so crazy. That's upsetting. That Do you is, know how shocking that must have been to, like, witness? Yeah. I'm just like, this motherfucker just dropped dead on the runway. I would be all fucked up from Fashion Week. Oof. I would be all fucked up. I wouldn't even know what to say. I'd be like, someone please get me out of here. Yeah, can you stitch him out of that? Like, <laughs> mm. But nonetheless, nonetheless, all these people that I just mentioned and many more that have passed away, we thank you for everything that you have given us and all of your creativity and your achievements. Yes, and your contributions to the world. And your contributions to the world, because this is a fashion history comedy podcast. This is true. And, I mean, in history, you are honoring the dead. Let's just just say it like that. Oh, yeah. 
You know, the spirits are with us. The spirits are with us. Big old dead circle jerk. Oh, 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 yeah, oh. No, maybe not so much that. Maybe not so much. I'm sorry about that. Ooh, up. Pearl's Clutch. Pearl's. Pearl's Clutch. Pearl's. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Have you been watching Fosse and Ver- Verdon? Have you heard about that show? No. Girl, I mentioned it last week. This show is so good. I really need for FX to stop fucking with me on my Xfinity account where I watched on my iPad because they like making certain shows not available, certain episodes. And I'm, just, I'm tired of you, Netflix. I'm tired of you, Xfinity. Tired. I've paid for it. I want it. Anyway, um, there's one scene where he's like teaching this, like, he's teaching the damn Yankees, um, um, uh, what's it called again? Like choreography. Uh, yes, the Macarena. Yes, <laughs> and Gwen Verdon is like doing this with her arms. She's like waving her arms in the okay, air. For like, what? Now, what you can't see, everyone, is that Pussy is doing almost a beauty queen hand wave mid air. But with what is both she, hands? But what does she call it? She's like Gwen. What are you doing? She's like stirring ice cream. Stirring ice cream. And then she puts her hands down in front of her, and they're like, "What is that?" She's like diamonds and pearls. Diamonds and pearls. pearls. Oh, I'm going to steal that. I I'm going to get up on that. stage and just start splishing my hands all around me like, ooh, diamonds and pearls and swirling ice, ice cream. cream. I'm totally doing that, bitch. Yeah. Oh, my God. Watch that show. It's really good. The dancing is so amazing. Okay. We're going to take a little break. Okay. We're going to take a little hot break. I want you to get out your notebook because we're going to be taking notes, kids, because we're going to come back and we're going to be talking about New York City's one and only fabulous, legendary club kids. People, we are back. This is the Beauty Archeo, your fashion history comedy podcast. I am your host, Professor Noir, and kids, I hope you're taking notes because class is in session. And we have our special guest here, Miss Jack Snipe. Pop quiz, pussy. Who is Suzanne Barch? She is like legendary bio queen, like parties in New York. Um, she did roll with Michael Alec. She did yeah, for she, a hot minute. She used she to did. roll with, like kind of like in the later years, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, though, yeah, yeah, like yeah, in yeah. the later years, in the early nineties, she rolled with Michael Alec, friends with RuPaul. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're talking about, she just like started this off just right in the middle. Yeah. Okay. She just wanted to get into it mm-hmm. because Jack Snipe, um, um, a lot of you may not know is, uh, what I like to call a club kid expert and mm. nerd. Yes. Um, yes, yes, yes. yes I, fan, I fangirl out for the club kids. It's like hardcore. And right now is dressed like a 90s club kid, like off duty. I sure the hell am. So I always, everyone I love when people come to this show because everyone always dresses up a little bit for this mm-hmm. show, which I love. And right now your hair is in like this like, 
what is it? Um, like Eileen Warnos. Yeah, thank you, drag icon. Drag Eileen Warnos. I- I'm with her. Yeah. <laughs> Eileen Warnos, like dark roots, you know, fried blonde, yep. rest of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. yep. Halfway up the shaft. It's just ruined. And this cut off denim um, vest mm-hmm. with a rhinestone tiger on the back of it. Yes. Just like going, ah. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost Ed Hardy, oh. but even trashier. Uh, even trashier with a lot of buttons because yes. you love pins. So many buttons. You love so many pins, like yes. trade buttons. Trade button, a Sunday best, which is my circus family, my working class queer button to let people know that I put in the work. Ooh. Um, I've got a, some, a fruit boots pin and, and the, a little, a little teeny tiny little amp from a coffee shop that I got up in Pennsylvania. Well, let's keep going with this outfit because yeah, yeah, also yeah. over what you're wearing this vest over. Oh yes, is um, a tie dye. It's a tie dye like sweatshirt crew neck with a lovely uh, melting crescent moon, but inside, inside a coffin. of a coffin. And then, um, um, what are these shorts? Because I'm they're confused. Like, um, <laughs> they're kind of athletic wear, but they're also like if I want to go swimming, you so, know. So I, like a multi-purpose athleisure short. Sure, athleisure. And then black. Yeah, just black slip-ons. Just black slip-ons. Just a simple shoe. Simple shoe. Just a simple shoe. Nothing too crazy for the footwear because I walk a lot. So we're talking about New York's club kids. Yes. Um, just to give you a little background, and the reason why, and I'll also go into why I like mentioned your outfit because it's very important, fashion-wise, why I did. Um, this is a little excerpt I'm going to read from gohaka.com. It's a blog. Um, the title of the blog post was a brief history of the New York club kids, obviously. Um, the New York club kids rose to fame in the late 80s with their outrageous looks and outlaw parties that built, extravagant un- that built an extravagant underground club scene that as their popularity grew, they defined an era of the New York nightlife. Before social media, the club kids were the original influencers, gracing the dance floors of New York's most legendary nightclubs and featured in the most prestigious and sought-after style and society pages of their time, hence page six. Yes, page six. And um, the Village Voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, they created a hedonistic community that emphasized ex- excess, outrageousness, fab- and fabulousness, where the gay, transgendered, and disenfranchised could be freely celebrated. They flaunted gender fluidity, drug use, sexuality, avant-garde lifestyle, and DIY fashion on talk shows and interviews like, what is it, um, Joan Rivers, Geraldo, Donahue, um, and they shocked the public with inspiring a movement that would spread across America to reshape the nightclub scene, and I will say, dare I say, forever. Oh, most definitely forever. Um, So, uh, let's get into it. I mean, like... As like a night uh, like a club kid like expert club hmm. kid like fucking nerd, um, give us. Give, I would love for you to give us like a little bit of like your view on there or your take on the roots of club kid of the club kid lifestyle, especially the fashion and what that really meant. Well, just turning turning like like I said, turning absolute debauchery into what the night was going to be created for for the nightclub. Really setting a scene was really what it was all about. Yeah, um, creating a character, making sure that. No matter what, you were always uh, pictured in an outfit that was appropriate for black and white photos. Um, <laughs> always, always, because there were no color. Black, they were white, printing in color. Nope, they were not. Um, you always uh, 
little education lesson, always take a picture on the left so when it's in print, it's on the right and you're the first name in the photo. <laughs> you, know, you learn all these things from you, uh, Disco Bloodbath. Yes, um, a book. A book, book by was... James St. James, another so, club kid. So let me go a little bit further. I'm going to give yes. people a little bit more context. So in the 70s, you had the era of disco. Yes. And this freedom of movement, dancing, sweating, um, Disco came out of, like, a lot of the gay clubs and even, like, the European clubs and a lot of, like, the black clubs. Yep. And edged its way and melts its way over into the mainstream. Studio 54, legendary, legendary nightclub of all nightclubs, was, like, the behemoth when it came to the disco glamour lifestyle. And so as disco faded as a genre of music that was popularized you got more into new wave into rock and roll into techno music and then early techno music that came out of disco and the experimentation of that in the late 70s and early 80s also you had the rise of the AIDS scare yes and so people the freedom that people felt in clubs that freedom of sexuality and fluidity of gender people stopped indulging in that because now you have this virus running rampant across the nightclub scene and mostly in a lot of like the gay nightclub scene yes so a lot of those patrons just stopped going out to those places. Yep. And those that did found themselves out of, out of place because th- there was no more space to be over the top and to be expressive necessarily. Or be free. Or be yeah. free. Um, with that, all, a lot of nightlife just really took a dip. Mm-hmm. Hardcore. To where even like the papers in New York were just talking about it for like a couple years. Like mm-hmm. just no one's going out anymore. Um, with that dip, you had a young, very bold, um, very outrageous, rebellious youth culture growing in New York. And they were a lot of kids that were being, they were transplants mm-hmm. into New York. It was not necessarily always, you know, you know, the, the homegrown New the Yorkers. Homegrown yeah, New Yorkers. No. It was a lot of transplants who came to New York for that dream of living that glamorous lifestyle, but found it not happening. Yep. And it seemed what they did, and I'm just paraphrasing, but they found themselves in a place to make something and to create something that did not exist before. Yes. Um, so people like James St. James, who was already at Studio 54 and was already known at places like Studio 54 and... Um, the Roxy. The Roxy, you know, like already like making a name for herself. Um, then... Other people like Michael Alec, yes. who is like the most famous of them. And I would say infamous. The most infamous yeah. murderess of them. Yes, yes, yes. She's yes. out of prison. She's been she out of prison for a while. She's um, they these these This uh, outrageous uh, queer culture started kind of melding together from different parts of the city. And find themselves. Even RuPaul, legendary RuPaul, came oh, out yes. of this entire culture. Yes, Amanda ma'am. Lepore became famous out of this culture. Amanda Lepore is already around, but became famous out of this culture. Because Amanda Lepore started, ended up on the New York scene, if I'm not mistaken, in, in the late 60s. Because she... To be honest, I have... No, uh, the, the timeline and tracking is absurd to try and figure out when Amanda Lepore... So, from my understanding... She was married to a man while she was transitioned, or she transitioned, married a man in the suburbs, left the man, came to New York. That's like big ass paraphrase. A lot of details in that <laughs> that I totally <laughs> threw out. <laughs> Your face just now was just pure terror. I was like, yeah, you were like, yeah, I guess that sounds right. That sounds like she, what she would have done. She just appeared fully formed in most she people's sure opinions. Yeah. <laughs> um. 
So the New York City club kids. So the most well-known club kids, without a doubt, are Michael Alec, as we just said, along with nightlife personality James St. James. The pair wanted to make their impact on New York in the club scene, and that they did through by throwing outrageous theme parties, such as like disco fucking bloodbath disco bloodbath disco bloodbath t- 2000 disco 2000 uh, what was it the disco truck the disco truck so the new york city club kids came onto the scene and what they did and which is actually what now people do in the nightlife scene is when you're new you get with a space they got with um they apparently um, um, you know not immediate i don't think it was immediately i think that eventually they found themselves pairing with Peter Gation. Yes, yes, yes. Who was a very famous... Of Limelight. But also nightclub impresario, restaurateur in New York at the time, very well known. The Tunnel as well, I believe. The Tunnel as well. Um, He didn't have Danceteria, I don't think. No, he did not. But yeah, he had the Tunnel. That was what... Yeah, the Tunnel made him famous. Yes. Um, He had one eye. He was very weird. Yeah. Um, Should have avoided him like the plague. Another Dylan McDermott fucking role in Party Monster. Sorry to go too far, but you know, Dylan, you're always with me. Uh, (laughs) I just want him to know that I just want to be with him. (laughs) Um, But what they did is they got with like a nightclub owner or like a nightclub manager and they said, we will bring this many people in and we'll promote this party if you give us like a cut of the door or cut of the bar or both. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of how like party promotion that they were the first party promoters. Promoters, really, Literally. And that's how party promoting started. So nowadays when you go out to nightclubs and you're going to a party and you like know the promoter, that's where that comes from. Yep. So eventually through their like, very short, illustrious, crazy career of throwing parties on trucks yep. where they literally rented like a Mac 10 and threw a giant party on there that did not end up well because no, people were not. like throwing up all over the place and falling all over the place and they did not nail anything down or screw anything down nope. or bolt anything down. So <laughs> the DJ booth kept sliding all over the place, um, which is really fun. They threw a very famous party, which the video, I don't know if it's still up there, but it should be, but they have videos of these parties, like actual footage. Cause this is like the mid eighties at this mm-hmm. point. So like there's videotape. It's not like a daguerreotype people. <laughs> well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of footage. Um, there's the footage of the, uh, they threw a crazy, they just throw a lot of spontaneous parties Yes, and they threw one in a McDonald's. It was a Burger King. The Burger King. Sorry, the Burger King. King. Yes, it was was a Burger Burger King. King. Yes, and um, that one was legendary. And that like, there's like, like two two hour videos of that party Mm -hmm. in the Burger King, of it happening. Within that two hours, though, the police were called at least eight times. At least eight times. At least eight times. But because of the size of the uh, the party in said Burger King. Now, there was absolutely nothing to be done. Now, we're saying all this stuff that, like, oh, they were so outrageous. They were going to all these spaces. They were throwing all these parties. But it wasn't just the fact that they were creating spaces that fostered the queer culture that we have now yes. of extreme and rebellious expression, of extreme and rebellious representation. It was the fashion oh, yes. that defined the club kids more than anything else because their looks took things to the extreme from not just being like drag but turning into a different species a whole nother creature a whole nother creature that just never existed you know something science fiction yes um everyone knows i love me some pinterest mm-hmm. and i have my lovely board um the booty archaeo which you can follow on pinterest because i like pictures i need to post them on my instagram but for now i just really love pictures um, and th- there are, I actually found some like really amazing, like archival pieces 
of the club kids from the 90s. Um, just give me one second. Mm-hmm. But also, like, while I'm doing this, yes. I would like to know... I'm clicking out of the microphone, but while I'm doing this, I would like you to tell people like nowadays when you see like club kids now, like, do you see a direct correlation with? Like, oh, I, what absolutely. Was in the past? I see a direct correlation. Um, look, speaking of Suzanne Barch earlier, she had completely changed the nightclub scene into the two thousands to today uh, with parties like on top. Um, there's another, there's another party promoter called Lady Fag who throws a party called uh, Holy Mountain. Holy Mountain, um, yeah. My friend was there. Dance with Alexander, Alexander Wang. Yeah. Stunning. Um, but the newer club kids, Joe! Exclamation point. Um, Aquaria. Uh, RuPaul's Aquaria, Drag Race yeah, alumni winner. Uh, started out as a Barchland babe. Yeah. In, in New York City. Uh, Lennox. Oh, Lord. Who are some of the other girls? Just, there was a whole new crop of club kids premiered maybe like 15, 20 years after the New York 90s club kids exactly. took a dive. Exactly. So before we go into like what happened with them taking a dive, at the height of all of this, they were dressing in some of the most extreme fashion one could ever even see. Oh, yes, I pulled up this picture right here just of like just of like two different sets. So one we have here of this person in full kabuki white face with a very, very sculpted like makeup. So the face and the nose are perfectly contoured. So it almost looks like a Patrick Nagal like um Oh yes. Like a uh, painting or a uh, reference. Yeah. Yes, that like is exactly what this looks very, like. Very, very sculpted, very like perfect red sculpted lip the eyes and the the eyes are contoured so that like you have that darkness right around the eyeball but then it just kind of fades out into a very blunt eyebrow but the whole outfit is covered in like pink fur with these balls on their head of like almost looks like they made their wig out of insulation yeah it's like it's uh, but it almost looks like alien eggs it is you know what i mean it's like red not even red sorry it's pink marabou feathers yep but then these like kind of like red resin balls almost look like eggs and then more actually not fur more marabou and like ostrich feather cascading down as if a wig from the hair wearing a pink powder pink like leather, long leather duster coat mm-hmm. and red gloves to match the red balls. I mean, like to can, also match the red lip to match the red eyebrow to match the red eyebrow. Well, she's a lady. Color blocking. Color blocking. I mean, like she's a lady. She's she, elegant. Yeah, she is elegant. She's very elegant. She's elegant. It's elegant. Elegant. Um, so with that, you know, like they were doing like, and this is the thing is like, they were going out like this and they weren't like taking limos to these clubs. No, no, they, they were, were riding, they were riding the subway, riding the subway, walking the streets while doing this. It's so interesting too, to think about this because of the whole idea of subculture at this time, because the same time this was happening downtown, the ball scene was, was happening, happening uptown. uptown. Yes, ma'am. Yes, it was. At the exact same time. Now, racially, I will say there was not too much diversity. No, in there the club was not kids. in the club kids scene, but that was also because of it being such a Manhattan-driven yeah. style nightlife. Exactly, and it came out of like Studio Fifty Four mm-hmm. and like the whole idea of like the the whole um, allure of the Andy Warhol. You know, superstars. Superstars. Becoming a superstar was the goal when you were a 90s club kid. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, people like Michael Alec created a world for the club kids. And he was like, at one point, 
he was the king of the club kids. Oh yeah, he was he was he was running. He was running shit. He was running shit. They had parties that were so successful that they were like the first parties that really toured around the country. Uh-huh. Um no one had ever seen that before where I think the only other time a group of of queer radicals had done anything was in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s when the Cockettes yeah came from California to New York to put on a show. But that's the thing is the Cockettes came to put on a show. Yes. This is the first time a party was just picked up and brought across country. And brought across country. And it was the, and this is the first time a party in general, not even just a queer party, a party. A party party. Yeah, a party in general. That never happened. So nowadays where you know, like where you go to like U Haul and you mm-hmm. know this party's coming into town, or like you go travel and go to like a white party or some kind of circuit thing. That never happened until the club kids. Yep. And it was the first time, too, because they didn't do anything. <laughs> no, they were just them. They, they were, just existed. They just existed. They were not performers. They were not singers. They were not dancers. They just existed. Yep. And there was a DJ. <laughs> Kiyoki. DJ Kiyoki. DJ, DJ Kiyoki. Superstar Kiyoki. Yeah. Um, yes. And, oh, Kiyoki. Still kicking, still alive. Wilmer Valderrama. Now that was a good role. <laughs> that was a very good role for Wilmer. So we can, okay. So let's just say this: we keep mentioning this movie. So for those of you who don't know, um, get hip, kids. The Club Kids did uh, eventually. Um, they were immortalized in a really fabulous movie in 2003, starring Macaulay Culkin and Seth Green. Mm-hmm. Um, Macaulay Culkin playing Michael Alex, Seth Green playing James St. James. I highly, I highly, highly encourage everyone to see this movie don't forget the superstar herself zoe de chanel and zoe zoe de chanel plays gitsy yes ma'am look at that oh she's remembering she's remembering if you all no that's see. not zoe de chanel that's um isn't it no it's chloe 70 it's chloe 70 Sorry. i was like zoe de <laughs> chanel was not alike. in that movie <laughs> they both have really boring voices they and sure like no do. range uh, <laughs> Chloe Sevigny, sorry. Chloe Sevigny. Um, but yeah, like, please watch this movie. You got me like, yeah, like, <laughs> you fucked me all up now. Sorry, like, girl. all my information's all because now I'm just thinking, was she really in this movie? Was she not? Like, did I just not see her the entire time? No, no. <laughs> Natasha Leone. Oh yes, Natasha Leone. Not I now. There, I will say, the 90s did not translate well. There are some very problematic things that happened in that movie, if well, anybody is about to watch it. Well, let me, you know, go into that really quickly. So, uh, um, as the Club Kids rose in fame, and these parties became really famous, um, fashion-wise, again, they were subverting fashion and gender in a way that no one had really seen before. And it was also starting to leak onto the, run- the high fashion runways. Um, God, Jean-Paul Gaultier... And McQueen. Oh, not, not, even before that, the turnover of Heatherette, Richie Rich and Trevor Rains, two prominent club kids in the 90s. Yeah, well. New York. But see, the thing is, Heatherette came after Gautier and McQueen doing the high fashion on the runways. Because McQueen came out the gate with club kid fashion. Yeah, that's and true. And so did Gautier. Yes. Um, and Gautier was doing it from the 80s. That's the thing. Heatherette came out of the club kids and then got a fashion line and continued the legacy of what of what it's all about, like Rich again, like Richie Rich being one of the most also well most well known club kids in New York with mm-hmm. those lips, yes, um, oh, and those money bags, honey, those those money bags, uh, <laughs> um, but with all of that, the club kids at the height of their fame um, also saw that fame really um, destroy them. Oh yeah, um, this was this was a time where cocaine 
was back in the 80s and now is on to the much harder drugs like um, heroin, ketamine, ketamine, crack, um, the mixing of all three (laughs) and going on these crazy drug benches for not just days, but weeks and destroying their bodies and destroying their minds and destroying their creativity that eventually, sadly, um, a very famous or a person that became famous out of this, um, a guy by the name of Angel. Yes who was the main drug dealer to the club kids. He became famous because, you know, Michael Alec pretty much, the story goes, promoted him into being a superstar drug, drug dealer, dealer where he would walk into parties with giant angel wings, which he really did. Yes, he did. Um, with giant angel wings, and he would just give out the drugs. And he was giving drugs to Michael and his f- close friends for years and them not paying for it. Um, and sadly, Michael Alec in a fit of rage along with his friend what is his name again ice ice who was also a drug dealer who was also a drug dealer and a mover um killed angel yes gruesome hammer with a hammer and then put his body in the bathtub uh and injected him full of bleach uh, no 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 no. drano no drano drano because he thought it would uh, disintegrate the body faster about a week later i want to say yeah realized that that wasn't happening that was not happening so they packed angel up into a lovely box and put her in the hudson oh no how they pack him up they had to cut him up oh yeah tore him apart tore him limb by limb cut him up put him into a tv box Mm -hmm. and threw him into the hudson river in the hudson river because that is not what fame does to you. No. That is what <laughs> sociopathy does to oh, you. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's so weird to even talk about this, too, because, like, the, again, like, the club kids, even for us as nightlife people, they're so inspiring. Oh, yes. They're so fucking inspiring for everybody. But then to know that this very sad, gruesome story really ended all of it. Oh yeah, it turned it turned a very ugly shade of whatever color it chose to be. Because you're already on the precipice of like pushing society to its limits every single day mm-hmm. by existing as one of these club kids and living on the boundaries. And living, I mean just honestly not even living on the boundaries, just floating in air. Oh yeah. Cuz you've just shattered all the boundaries. And then this happens, and it and it really destroyed a lot of lives because again, as I mean, like most people know, like murder doesn't just destroy one life of the victim; it destroys so many lives. It's a ripple effect, yep. and it destroyed so many lives. It broke up the friendships. It broke up a lot of things. It made people realize what drugs were doing to them, because I mean, like the amount of drugs that people were taking at this time was at a psychotic fucking level. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised there's, I'm surprised any of them survived oh, yes. with, for the ones that majority, did. Well, survived with majority of their sanity. Yeah, Good I'm Lord. surprised Michael Alec fucking survived at this point. <sighs> so Michael Alec, you know, did go to jail, um, was released in 2000... Yes. Oh. Uh, 10? Mm, no. Yeah. Mm. Was it 2010? Let's fact check that. You fact check that, I'll girl. fact check that. Hey, you fact check that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't have an idea. Yeah, no, he did get released. For the killing of this, uh, for the killing of Angel, which is really fucking sad. Um, but they did leave us with really amazing fashion. Yes, they did. <laughs> they sure the hell did. Um, my, I think, honestly, my favorite pairing of any club kids were the Wonder Twins. Uh, they were uh, like a twin brother duo. Okay. Um, they were known for their extremely lifted platform shoes. Um, oh yes, yeah. I never knew who they were called. I didn't know oh, they were yeah, called no, the, the Wonder, Wonder Twins. Twins. Yes, the Wonder Twins. They were, um, they were really 
they were my first exposure based just based off of stickers that I found in a old uh, like trash zine that still had references to the 90s club kids. Exactly. I, I have I have one person to thank for my introduction to the club kids and her name is Josie Seagal. She went to high school with me and uh-huh. she handed me Party Monster the DVD and said, "You need to watch this." I think this is very much you. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a try. And I watched it. And sure enough, two days later, I was like, oh, I can't wait till I'm 18 years old and I can go out and I'll look to a club. Right? You know, it's really interesting. To, I'm not really interesting, but um, out of this whole tragedy, James St. James turned his career into something that has lasted up until this day. Yeah. And wrote a book called Disco Bloodbath mm-hmm. um, about this entire life. And his experience, and it's a very interesting read. It is a very interesting. It read. is a, It's written in dialect. I'll say it like that. <laughs> it's written in a club kid dialect. It sure, the hell is in a very narcissistic club kid dialect. But let me read this little bit here. Oh wait, um, I did. I did find out when Michael Alec was released. Okay, well, hold on. Wait, let me read this, mm-hmm. and then you can tell me. Okay. So, however, the life of excess and heavy drug use caught up with Alec when on Sunday, March 17th, 1996, he and his roommate, Robert Freeze Riggs, killed their former Limelight employee and well-known drug dealer, Andre Angel Melendez. I wanted to say his real name. That's how I was looking this up. I don't want to just call him Angel and not yeah. say his real name. His name was Andre Melendez, everyone. After an alleged disagreement about long-lasting, long-standing drug debt, girl, thousands upon tens of thousands of dollars. We oh, talk yes. about in drug debt. It was this event that began the decline of the Club Kids movement. By the mid-90s, mainly in part to Mayor Rudy Giuliani's quote-unquote quality of life crackdown on New York's nightclubs, the Club Kids, as they were known, had no option but to disperse. While 20 years have passed, an era of, original, of the original Club Kids has ended. However, there is no denying their legacy, in la, their legacy la, lives on through today's fashion, music, film, and television. But more importantly, it lives in our own ability to embrace our individualism, in some cases, our free choices, as to whether, as to whether or not we conform to the mainstream. I just wanted to read that little bit really to close nice. out. But when was Michael Alec released? So Michael Alec, uh, on October, and in October 1997, pleaded guilty to first-degree manslaughter. Mm. Uh, both him and uh, Freeze, or Ice in the movie, uh, were uh, sentenced to 10 to 20 years in prison. Riggs was released on parole in 2010, and Michael Alec was released on May 5th, 2014. Oh, damn. So, like five, five years, years ago. ago. Yeah. So she out. Don't go find her. No, don't go find her. And um, praise Leave her alone. Praise to the nightlife in Brooklyn because they. Uh, I will. I will say I have never been prouder than my own scene than yeah. someone else's scene because they put their foot down and was like, "No, you are not welcome. You are not welcome to come back and throw parties. You yeah. are a murderer and you have no place with us." Yeah, Michael Alec when he got out tried to throw a couple parties. Girl, well, she was got still out. trying to make flyers. She didn't realize the technolo- te- the technological advances that uh, she was making flyers yes honey <laughs> yeah, she was still making flyers and telling people that they could work for drink tickets <laughs> that's not how it goes mikey not how it goes honey not anymore drink tickets don't pay that bill girl uh-uh. oh my god jesus christ well criminals when you get out stop trying to do the same thing you went in for yeah pick a new hobby yeah like <laughs> like um wood whittling or <laughs> crochet making wind chimes or, or macrame or yeah, or dressing like Anna Karenina. Or dressing like me, like yes. dressing like Anna Karenina. Anna Karenina. <laughs> well, Jack Snipe, 
thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This, this was a treat. Thank you. It was really fabulous. I hope people understood what we were saying because I feel like we were just rambling about Club Kids I, well, for I mean, 45 minutes. That's the way a Club Kid would talk about Club Kids. Kids yeah, so... I do hope, students, that you were paying attention, that you were taking notes to our stream of consciousness. Yes. <laughs> and this has been another fun episode of the Beauty Archeo, your very own fashion history comedy podcast. I am your host, Professor Noir. I want to thank again our guest, Jack Snipe, for coming on to this show. And we will see you again next week, where I might give you a final exam. Actually, <gasps> no. There's so many more classes to this. <laughs> Take notes, kids. You're going to need them. Take notes. Get out your marble notebooks. <laughs> Have a good day, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at Full Service RDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.